Hello, and welcome to ID Podcast with your host, Roger. We're bringing the best discussions and conversations to you about identity verification, AML practices, and much more. Thanks for tuning in. So, um, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of ID Podcast. And today I'm joined by a, um, well, I would say a new face now, but uh, he just he just hasn't been there for um, for quite a while. But uh, one of the, um, you know, first ever guests, one of the uh, ID Podcast OGs, as um, as you would say. And uh, this is um, Peter Murray from um, W2 um, Data. So, uh, yeah, uh, welcome, Peter. And how are you doing? No, I'm all right. I'm good, mate. Thanks for the invite. It has been a while. There have been some great episodes on there, but uh, no, it's all, always good to be coming on and talking about uh, generally what's going on in the industry. But probably like you guys, it's um, it's been an interesting period over the last sort of six, seven months. But business-wise, it's, it's, I guess it's still as busy as ever. Uh, and certainly the, uh, the conversations that come around just don't stop. So and that's why I think you know, it's a great idea this morning. There's just a couple of key subjects. We'll talk about them, go through them. Uh, and we're responding to emerging stories. So I'm, I'm always up for that and always happy to be invited. Well, Peter, I mean, um, you know, since you last came on, I guess there was so many news um, since then. I mean, you, you came on the podcast that was um, just as lockdown came in, uh, which was uh, April time. And um, we just discussed of the impact of, of COVID and uh, no one knew what was going to happen. And uh, still, we don't know what's going to happen. So we just, you know, take it day by day, I guess. Um, but, um, you know, more interestingly, um, because in our first, in the first ever episode where you and Jeremy um, were on the podcast, we spoke about um, what um you know, CRA checks uh, might look like in the future or, you know, if they will be gone or what's going to happen with them. Well, uh, talking of CRA checks, uh, quite interestingly, um, and I'm just going to read it out to you and uh, we'll take it from there because uh, there is uh, another two more news articles um, from the BBC that I want to get into. Um, but first of all, here's the statement. Um, the Information Commissioner's Office um, orders the Credit Reference Agency Experian Limited to make a fundamental changes to how it handles people's personal data within its direct marketing services um, and the enforcement notice follows a two-year investigation by the IC, um, by the ICO and a complaint from the campaign group Privacy International to the ICO also raised concerns about the data broken industry specifically Equifax and Experian and as a result of the ISO's work, all the three credit reference agencies made improvements to the direct marketing service business. Equifax and TransUnion made the improvements alongside withdrawing some products and services. The ICO was therefore taking no further actions against them. Well, I mean, it says it's marketing services, but um, just, a, I guess, your know, first question that comes out of this. Um, do you think this will also have a significant impact on how um, credit checks or how data checks will work in the future? Well, I think but it's interesting on a number of levels, the whole ICO getting involved and, and being as firm as they were with one of those three, because we all know there's, there's three CRAs that essentially underpin and support a lot of the I identity world. So I, I don't know why that one particular one has done anything different, while the other two have either removed products um, or at least change what they've got. But this was all about how they collected it and about openness and transparency. So did they, when taking and doing whatever they did with this data, have they done the right thing? And I think overall, it's very critical, certainly to the, the gambling sector that you and I work with, but identity in general, 
that openness and transparency is the way forward. Um, I think the bigger picture, which I know you and I have tended to bang on about for a couple of years now, which is um, it's about the reliance, or in my opinion, the over-reliance in certain markets of what the credit data actually does and what it provides, that sort of old-school legacy, you find me once on a database and that's enough to prove uh, to a certain extent that you can do business with me. And I think whilst you and I, it would fall under the category of doing what we do, that you would say that, wouldn't you? Uh, the fact is, I think we should have moved on from that conversation. What what's, I think is interesting for this on a number of levels is um, clearly they've had a warning about how they've collected it and what they've done. And yes, it definitely be absolutely clear to their marketing services and, and where you and I interact is slightly different because it's, uh, it's compliance and regulation. But the fact is, in all the markets we work in, uh, there's more of an emphasis now on having more data, not less. And, and whether it's waterfalling or um, layering or holistic is the latest word of getting a better picture of, of people, then you do need uh, more data, uh, but it's what you need. And I, my longstanding view over years now is the CRA's uh, data has a part to play, um, but is increasingly a smaller part of what they do, uh, of, of what identity means. Uh, because it affects all areas. In this particular case, I think the key thing there is is around how they've collected it and what they do. So I guess long-winded answer, but ultimately I think the CRAs, uh, in, in whatever marketplace, it's not just here. You and I have both had recent dealings in Germany, and we'll, I certainly want to come to that as we go through. Um, but their, their position of dominance is uh, diminishing, and I think we all need to be layering in far different sources of, uh, of data to try and get a proper picture of who you are. So I think from this particular story, I think it, it will essentially eventually seep into to how we would use it in the regulated markets we do. And I guess um, in terms of um, also, you know, talking about the future of data and you just, I guess, you just you just came to it with you know layering waterfalling uh, there, there's many different ways how you can identify people in any business whether that's financial services you know gambling whatever it is um you, you know people need to be identified and i think um you know i think COVID has just accelerated um many many different things um such as you know companies going digital or having to go digital um to to, to identify people and um I think also what's what's quite interesting because in this ICO thing it says um, that the CRAs weren't really um, telling the people what they were doing with their data. So um, one question that always poses for me um, is, um, you know, sometimes people get identified in the background, right? So um, you know they don't even know that there is an identification check going on. So and. You know, having GDPR on one side, um, having Brexit on the other, because it's also a very, very valid topic when it comes to data privacy. Because of all what's going on, there seems to be there seems to be a lot going on. What needs to be changed and what will be changed, and how we, how we, or how UK businesses essentially interact with uh, Europe, uh, you know, European businesses or European people even. Um, but um, it, like, where I want to go is. Um, how do you see this playing out? So, you know, this is obviously goes towards marketing services, the real data checks, let's say, are not really impacted. But, you know, there, there's lots of references to, you know, people don't know what's going on with their data, people don't know what's what 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 has been useful. So, um, 
like, do you think it might be a possibility where people will have to be asked, an example, when they're doing an identity verification, that you, that they give the consent to use the, the the credit data, an example, or how do you see that planning out in the future? Yeah, well, I think consent's going to be critical. I think we've gone decades now where people have just expected to use it, and and don't get me wrong, I don't think particularly um, if I'm being kind to that particular side of the identity market, there's any particular nefarious use for it. But I think, if anything, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica uh, news item effectively changed the game. We Customers expect more. There's a couple of key players in this. There's one is providers and vendors like us who provide and support the services and the regulators understanding it. But ultimately, most important asset the industry has is its customers. And I think it's absolutely vital that we you know, build up or rebuild up that trust, certainly in our sector, which has a very different political and media focus on it. Um, we have to have done everything about being open and transparent. And that's not just an operator. They have to be using services out there that are the same. And I think that's the fundamental change. This particular issue was around not making judgments on what people could afford through marketing services, which is really interesting from our side because the industry is being challenged around affordability. Um, and yes, you could use a compliance angle, but I think you know, being absolutely clear around what that cons consent might be used used for is critical both from us as, as you know people who might consume some of that and, and for operators and, and the customers are going to expect that I think the new generation of people coming along that will sustain and support any of the e-commerce sectors and certainly the gambling sectors they're not going to put up with the, the old school way of doing things and that's you know, just one data source. So I think the whole the whole area of identity is in a bit of flux at the moment, but certainly if we just to concentrate on that CRA data, um, it, it's, it, it's not the bedrock it used to be and has to adapt. And I think ultimately that's about being clear and open and transparent about what you're doing and why you're collecting it and, and where that data is going. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so I just mentioned those two articles and they're both from the BBC. Yeah. Um, the you know, very recent, I would say. I mean, the latest one were, was from the twenty, um, the twenty seventh of October, essentially. So um, only about three weeks ago. Um, what I find what I find very interesting here is is one point that they raised, and it's and it says experience still needs to stop screening out prospective customers from marketing lists on the basis of financial uh, on on the base on the base on the basis of financial status. So yeah, now. Uh, now, my question is, because we know the industry, the identity verification industry, and we know, especially for the gaming side of the things, we have those so-called affordability checks. I'm just putting those things here because... Yeah, who knows what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. And uh, what I find very interesting in that is also that... Um, people are being classed on a financial status by looking at a postcode. I mean, um, how, how is this, how, how is this, I mean, well, first of all, we're talking about responsibility checks, but first of all, how is it responsible to class people um, by a postcode? Um, it just doesn't make any sense uh, to me. I don't know if it does make sense to you. No, I think, but then that goes back to, we're, we're really working on the basis of a system that's going back 20 years. If, if, as in a number of sectors, not just the sector we work in, if you're reliant or over-reliant on, on that as a source of truth, then that's the way it's always worked. But you and I know that within the same postcode, you could have somebody 
uh, that's potentially uh, very wealthy and, and somebody that's not. And if you're scrapping around as the uh, as, as the the consumers of this information, then it's it's just not sustainable any longer. So um, I think the challenge around affordability, and it's not just the UK, which is where these stories come from. The same is in Germany, which you and I have dealt with. The same, interestingly, Belgium's introduced a trial period last week or the week before, uh, which is really putting a limit on people's spend. And, and Germany's big example. Belgium was if you want to up your limits, you have to pass an affordability check through the, the National Bank of Belgium. Now, that's somebody just going yes or no without, you know, based on purely numbers, but without um, taking into account some of the, the circumstances that would have led to that. So that, the, I think the challenge, the, the obvious answer is we should be taking more and be making more nuanced decisions. But gambling is, is taken out of the normal field and is treated very differently. So if they're saying you want to up your limit from 500 euros, then you literally have to get a check sent into the bank and the bank then says simple yes or no, and that's not a discussion point. And I think that bit's got to change. It's a very heavy-handed and certain, and certainly not, it's not backed by any scientific basis of why that should be the case. So your point about postcodes resonates across all of that, which is how do we truly get to, uh, to somebody's um, affordability? And it's definitely not postcodes, by the way. Um, but if you're people who've been consuming this data, it's probably at this point the one you're used to. Um, so for me, yep, definitely not the answer going forward, but we need to be able to bring all those layers uh, and whether that's open banking or some form of customer consenting to it uh, is is going to be critical, I think. And, you know, those those checks, they have a huge impact on people, um, especially now times where, you know, you can't just go out, we're, you know, we're in lockdown right now as it is in the UK and obviously you as well in, in Spain, you have a lot of restrictions. Um, so you rely on identity verification to, you know, verify your identity to, I guess, an address as well as, you know, just, you know, obviously verifying your identity. Now, what was even, what was even more um, severe, I guess, out of all of this reporting, out of all of these reports. Um, on the 7th of November, um, written by Dan Whitworth, also uh, on BBC, there was an article about um, um, a woman called Laura, and um, she yeah. was refused um, home COVID test after credit check. So, I mean... I mean, seriously, I mean, it's just like, like to me, like, uh, uh, like, are we still relying on those static, you know, checks that, you know, don't do anything else, but have a simple line against the, against the person and confirms that you might live at this address. I say might, because that data is not updated every 10 or 15 or every 24 hours. And um, yeah. it's, it's, it's um, like, like, how can it happen that someone has refused the home COVID test? Um, because they have moved into a new property. Uh, okay. I mean, and and we are in year uh, 2020. I know it's been a crazy year, but yeah. I mean, how, <laughs> how, crazy. how crazy is it with all of this technology that's available, including um, including some others, you know, not not having to name any spe uh, any specific ones, but it's it's very simple to just, you know, check someone's driving license that where you have to change the address as soon as you move, by the way. Um, yeah. And uh, and and confirm the address or get a utility bill. Oh, I don't know. But how can it be? Um, I mean, I can't I explain. Think, but well, you'd have to, on this case, you'd have to ask the government who given out that <laughs> contract and had told a way to do it. But let's not take the government as a as a way of judging how ID is going to work. And for me, this story is even more interesting than the other one because it was a it was a um, Radio Four money box 
uh, story and had, it actually had two people if you read into it most people have have concentrated on the laura aspect of it but there was actually another there's another lady called cat and she'd been now they were never refused they never refused because they failed a check they refused because they couldn't find them and that to your point of we should be using a a, a wider scope to do that um but she just hadn't got a credit card or a loan she hadn't got a footprint and there's the, I think the research was there's 5.8 million people whether they've chosen not to go down that route or age or circumstances mean you are not on the electoral roll which is obviously a, a key part of what say the cras use and, and i and, and uh, addressing stuff is but they weren't on there the the, the laura ones even uh, as you say she arrived from australia being less than four but she had got loans and she had got on the electoral roll and she'd done all the things we tell people to do but it hadn't been so I think she'd been in the country for more than 12 months. So they didn't fill it, but they just couldn't find it. And, and that's it. In, in the circumstances on that story, through the credit rating agency they used, they didn't do anything else. Uh, I think the, the, the woman involved then had to walk 90 minutes with suspected COVID down a street, passing people. It just, it, it's just not right. But I, 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 there's, there's yeah, a I mean, to me, that's that. bonkers, quite frankly. I mean, it's... it's... I think uh, ultimately, if you're the... Uh, it's not, Particularly slag off the government or regulators or anything. Like that. But the fact is, they'll go for a, a bit of a, a simplified approach, which is if I can't find you on any of these traditional agencies, you, you don't exist. And there's virtually nothing you can do about it. And I think both you and I, again, we would say this, but it's true, is the answer in there is uh, around technology. And so many, I mean, it's not just these two instances. This affects such a wide uh, number of people, both in the UK, where this story is from, but certainly globally. Uh, because if you get outside of the the, the the countries, say European, where you've got a strong amount of legacy data, then there's simply not that stuff there. And that's where certainly services like you guys have got, which is around documenting facially, is going to be critical. And, and how you access that and use your smartphone, uh, it's going to be really important. But I think there's for those that are financially excluded, and certainly in certain parts of the world, for those that don't have a footprint, whether they've allowed somebody else to control that, so say... I hate to be stereotypical, but an older female generation who's always let the husband do that work and vice versa. These people haven't got the footprint you need. It can't be right that we use a system that's over 20 years old to do this in, in 2020. So these are just areas that sort of highlighted it, and, and especially for a COVID test or in the mailing out uh, stuff. There's so many different things you can do from the address capture through to the documented facial verification. It's just it's just wrong. But should we expect the government to embrace the latest technology? I think we're struggling to get them to do that. Um, but the operators and, and customers we work with across our sectors clearly do. And I think when the banks have got some of the better technology and the government can't use it, uh, you know what? We're, we're a little behind the ball, I think. I mean, it's quite interesting because I also um, read... Um... I can't remember the lady's name um, because, I, I, quite frankly, that speech was uh, yeah something else. But um, uh, you know, essentially, in that, in that speech, um, the, EU, uh, the EU was called um, innovation shy and uh, not wanting to innovate, and yeah. you know, certain things were blamed on health tech um, and also other things. But um, last time I remember an example in Germany, you have a health card that you can go to any doctor, you just put the card in and they have your whole file. Um, how, how does it work in the UK? An example? Well, if you if you can't go to if you can't go to your registered uh, doctor, you're gonna have to go to A&E and clog that space up. So 
um it, you know it's it's um it's sort of things suffers, where yeah, so yeah sorry, UK suffers, sorry it suffers a little bit from you know we've as a nation the uk has always been against national id databases um, and I guess it's a subject for another time. When you've got that, it's simpler. Uh, certainly it's in, in our world, as the Dutch are regulating and they might have one, Germans have gone down another route. But if you've got a centralized database they might use across uh, the Nordics, for example, then it's easier. But that still doesn't stop, it, stop you from being able to do it just by using different technology. I just think sometimes the people who regulate or monitor or um, look after these sectors uh, or, or not embracing what is out there. And it might be through a bit of nervousness or misunderstanding, because you and I spend a lot of time with regulators trying to get them to understand the tech that's out there. But the key driver for me is going to be the customers. Uh, the customers aren't going to put up with this uh, much longer. That next generation coming through are going to demand that everything's done through their smartphone or is everything is done with the least friction possible. And that's not making it less reliable or less robust. That's just embracing the technology uh, and the data that's out there. And ultimately, longer term, that, that ability to control the, um, the data and identity that's yours, and you decide how that's then released to those people through providers and suppliers like us. I think that's going to be the way forward. But we're some way off that because, as you'll probably agree, that some of the regulators uh, are, are not quite up to speed on what's out there on how it's done. But at the last point, I guess, for me on that is it's still, and that is so critical around the trust and sustainability, how, how what data, back to the first story, is what data is released and how it's used will create that trust. And, uh, and if you're a customer, a consumer, you're going to have much more confidence if you know what everybody's doing with it. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 quite. I mean, you know, to me, w why should I have to have a credit card in order for someone to identify me? It's it's like 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 why do it? Um, you, you know, because you just mentioned it. So like, it's you know, these people say that you know, financially excluded people won't be able to be verified. However, really, is it just a financial just like <laughs> like should it's I class myself as financially excluded just because I opted out of certain data, um, which you can, by the way. So you know, for anyone due to GDPR, you can um, go and manage your data. You can request the data that's been held. Um, you can ask for certain you know, companies to delete the data they hold against you. And am I financially excluded just because I don't want some of the data, which I find very, you know, personal to 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 be on someone's database yeah. to to identify me? It's, well, I think that goes you know, that goes back to my last point, which is we're going to decide in a couple of years what uh, data is released. And I think you're right. Uh, it should not be the fact that we're forced to go and get a loan or a credit card or whatever because that is the perceived way of doing things yes it was 20 30 years ago it, it's not right that it is uh, it's still that case now but it is and i think until that changes and it will be through the disruptors it will be through that technology that's coming in that provides that reliability combined with how the regulators adapt it but as we stand it just simply isn't right that uh, the fact we have to get credit or loan data um, makes that decision on whether we'll be found or not because that you know and again we're very uk centric or eu centric when we have these conversations you go to uh, other parts of, of the world the emerging uh, continents where they've just not got the opportunity for um, a banking system that's been going for 100 years or a credit system that's been doing that and that's going to be particularly interesting in our space is how we get to that 
because what that produces and how we identify and work around inclusion there is going to eventually come back the other way into those traditional markets of Europe and the UK. And that's how you'll identify somebody. And it will, it's all going to be uh, around the technology that supports that for me. And, you know, I was just thinking then, because we obviously, you know, as, as we're talking, um, you could say the old overhanging topic is not just um, CRI data, but it is identity as itself. And, um, you know, just, just, just mentioning different things. I think what we also have to be really careful about is to not make the mistake to have a decentralized IDs because that is the worst thing that can happen in any country because if you have, um, you know, this sort of card, you have this card, you know, to use to identify yourself there, you have to use this card to identify yourself there. Well, for this company, you can either do a CRA check. If we can't find you, go to the post office and let them identify you for like £10, where they just look at the at the passport, just look at you, yeah, that's fine, here's your stamp, you know, see you later. Um, it's, it's, a, it's obviously a huge topic that needs to be discussed with, you know, I mean, I'm not calling myself an identity expert, but at the same time I am because I've been working in this, in this area for, you know, for quite some time now. So um, I think you're right. I think what that eventually looks like, I don't think either of, of us are certain. I think we, we can look at that route you're talking about there, which is uh, tokenized identity, you contract maybe the me to be society uh, that, that says that I hold the power of that in my smartphone and I decide to release, if I want to get my shopping, I'll release a little bit. If I want to get a car, I'll release more. If I want a mortgage or some big financial commitment, uh, or in our world, gambling is going to be forced down that same route, which is you need all this data out there. I think how it eventually looks, I'm clearly none of us are, are fully uh, fully know that, but the power will be switching from those CRA legacy stuff into the through likes of us into the individuals concerned, and I think. Um, how that's taken and delivered securely is going to be really critical. But your customers have shown this in any survey of the most surveys that you've seen will come out. Customers are more than happy to share this kind of stuff if it's open and transparent and they know what they're going to do with it and that it's protected. So I'd, like you, I've been in it sort of a dozen years. I'd love to be able to say I knew exactly what was going to happen, but maybe that's the excitement. We don't. We wouldn't have seen four or five years ago the technology that you and I have access to now. Um, and equally, we, we don't know what the four or five years time is going to be like, but it's not going to be dull. Uh, but I think the industry needs to come with it. Well, I mean, I guess that's why we work in this industry because it's literally yeah. changes from day to day. Um, uh, by the way, for, for listeners outside of the identity verification industry who don't work in it, because we have, as, as I shared, some... Um, you know, it's it's definitely a space, I guess, that will be relevant for some years to come and, you know, seen by all of those, you know, you know, digitalization. I mean, that word has been around for I don't know how long. I don't want to even, you know, really say it this, uh, you know, as much as, you know, as much as the, as the C word, you know, collaboration as we know it. Um, uh, um, you know, it's definitely an exciting space, and uh, you know, I can definitely recommend to have a look. You know, at some at some right. of the providers, and 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 to you know, um, maybe start in the industry because there is a lot of talent needed in this industry. Let's put it this way. I mean, you know, wherever you look, everyone's looking. Everyone's looking for people, whether that's tech, whether that's sales, whether that's marketing, um, because you know, the industry has grown is crazy. I mean, if you if you probably would have asked someone ten years ago, would have would have would have would have would someone have predicted that it's worth a trillions of, yeah. of dollars 
I don't I think, think if so. You just, you just have to look at the investment that's coming into our space. And you guys have had some, we've had some, it's, it's right across the sector. But nobody's got the right answer of what that end game is going to be. But it's if somebody had said to me when I joined the industry 12, 13 years ago, you'd, you'd be in compliance, I'd have thought they were mad. Uh, but the fact is, this is a technology sector. And you, your company, my company, most of the companies who do what we do, it, we're technology companies and you consume data or services through those. Um, and that's that's what I think why you and I love it because it's just constantly changing, uh, and you've got to adapt with it. Otherwise, you won't be here in two years' now, time. Never mind ten years' time. And that's the real challenge. Is you and I talk to customers and come back going, well, this is what the industry is asking for. How do we build and adapt to that? So I, I'd echo that. I think if anybody's looking to get into uh, an exciting, forward-thinking industry and long-term sector, then that identity and the solutions that go with us is a great place to be. I think I've actually never asked that question to you. I mean, you know, like, why do you work in the sector? Like, well, well, why, why are you still in the sector? Because you've obviously been in the sector I'm for, 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 for... <laughs> no, no. I mean, you're, you're still very young, lad, so, so don't worry about that. But, um, um, uh, you know, but but actually, like, what, what's the what's the reason for you to to still stay in the sector? Well, I think if you come back, I mean, what was it? I say 12, 13 years when I was asked to come into the sector just to help out somebody for six months. And, you know, uh, 13 years later, I'm still there. Um, it's purely, uh, for me, it's purely and simply about how the industry's moving and the excitement and the agility and, and all those buzzwords that, that are out there. But it is constantly changing. And you have, mentioned it earlier, you have to change that goes with it. And I don't think there's one period in that that. Uh, the time that I've been in the industry that you've ever felt like you stood still. So whether it's it's you, we work together briefly, and it's whether you and I go into try and find a solution that would adapt to a market or trying to adapt a solution that's come from a certain regulatory oversight. It, it's almost like you sat there go, right, let's make this work. And if you're working in the right companies, you can do that. And, I, and it, it is genuinely really exciting. And I think that the fact that I'm slightly older than others uh, probably helps me remain young, trying to keep up with everybody. But the fact, but it is true. The fact is, this is co so constantly changing. And you see the developers that come in, the support services that come in. I mean, we're only a company of 40, 50 people. But man, the things you can do with that to try and adapt to what the customers want. I think that's, that's probably the same for you. I don't know. I'm, I mean, you've been slightly less than me, but that's certainly my view. I can throw that back at you. What, why are you doing what we're doing? I think, um, to be quite honest, I mean, as you said, uh, every day is a new thing. Um, every, every, well, I mean, let's not over-exaggerate it, but let's put it this way. Every yeah. week throws something new at you. I guess from that perspective, um, well, what really excites me, I think it's, you know, working with so many different people, first of all. I mean, you work with the world's biggest brands, first of all, right? I mean, literally, we work with, you know, some people don't even realize it's your it's your company that's behind this. But, you know, for me, is is also this, like, I don't know, I don't know how it is about you, but every time I register someone, I was like, oh. Uh, you try yeah, to what you do. Yeah, 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 yeah that could be better, you know, and just trying to, you know, and, I, and I'm just, um, and I'm just genuinely, and I'm just genuinely interested into, into, um, into well, basically. Have, exactly. That's why you and I will have these conversations about what I, what's happening in identity, why regulators are doing what they do, yeah. where the industry is going, because I think there's a, there's a sort of passion and a real interest in, in how we do it. Uh, and I think for me that that's that's it. it it's just constantly changing and in a, in a world it's trying to stay ahead of the game. Whatever I've done throughout my career, you always want to stay ahead of the game, be first to it. We're all we've got all got sales at the core of what we do. 
But this time, especially the last year and going forward, it is going to be around collaboration. And those days of just standing alone and going, I'm going to win this business, they've gone as well. So, so for example, how you and your business and our, our business sort of collaborate to try and help that process is key. And that's just added, and that's really just, really just come in over the last year or two. And that adds another layer into it. So I think yeah. I think it has come into there because I think also as it is with every industry, you just have some um, some dinosaurs in the industry, and they basically just do the way you know they wanted to be. They have their way off, and it literally I'm sorry, but it literally pisses me off. Like when I hear certain things, yeah, 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 yeah but he, yeah, but this company told me to do this because it yeah. has always been done like that. No, no. It, well, it might have always been done like that, but there's better ways to do it. There is there is quicker ways to do it. There's more cost efficient ways to do it. You know, there's it's it's um you know, and the problem is you then have to you have to then speak for the whole industry, but you still want them to be excited about your product. So I mean, I've literally got no problem yeah. mentioning my competitors in some of the calls and saying, you know, they're, you know, they're doing a great job. I mean, you know, they're they're doing a fantastic job. I can only tell them what's maybe better about my company and still i think in our industry this mindset is still missing where everyone just wants to have everything to themselves i mean it's fine you know if you're successful with that absolutely fine but you know i mean it's it's you know i mean for us it's a little bit different than for you right because you know we are very independent we can work with any partner really we can work with end customers and it really doesn't matter to me because as long as there's a as long as there's an agreement in place, whether you consume uh, my software through a W two or whether you consume it through someone else, yeah. it really really doesn't matter. But but the problem is not everyone has the same mindset, you know, and, and it's yeah. just and we all know who they are. No, I think you're right. And if we yeah, just well, I just said dinosaurs, so you exactly know <laughs> what I mean. Then. <laughs> you, you and I over the last sort of two weeks, I was with. Oliver in, in Berlin at the event, got to meet human beings. It was great. But the fact is the conversations we've had over the last two to three weeks about how if we can help each other, they may well go off and then consume your services or through ours or separate. But the fact is it's got the customer what they want. And I think we have to, this change of mindset set, sorry, for the new companies and disruptors and stuff coming in. Uh, and I've got to say some of it's around age and, um, the younger generation coming through with completely different ideas. We also, for example, deal in the payment sector, and that's the same. People are just disrupting, and I think that's forcing people down. But whatever your sector and whatever your time, there'll always be people that will refuse to embrace that. And you know what? They, they, you know, like Blockbuster, they won't be around for for any time soon when the next next Netflix comes in. So that's the a- challenge, <laughs> the challenge for you and I is just to stay ahead of that game. <laughs> That's a great analogy because <laughs> only last week uh, I just um, I just reread the thing about Blockbuster Netflix where Blockbuster was actually offered to buy Netflix for I think like fifty thousand dollars or something, but they said no, nah, it's it's <laughs> not. And then, and then four years later, yeah, see you later. <laughs> so uh, I'd know exactly who that was and sat and have a beer with them. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, well, I guess that person at Blockbuster, the sea level that's made a decision, he still has his villa in Los Angeles somewhere and, has, and is living a nice life. So, um, yeah, yeah. But hey, that's not our Blockbuster problem. <clears throat> but um, yeah. Well, I mean, um, 
look, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure, Pete. No, okay. um, Enjoyed it. I, I think uh, I think we we're definitely going to have to uh, definitely going to have to repeat it because you know news are coming in uh, on a weekly basis. So you know there will be definitely enough news to discuss in about four or five weeks' time. So I think so. Look, and, uh, and certainly from my point, you know, you don't want to bore everybody with me coming on all the time. But I, I think I think the, the approach you're taking, which is as the new stories come up, gets people to to make and comment and talk about it, and then look at different angles. Certainly, the sector we're in. Is the is the way forward? We, it's all about the content. It's all about talking around what's what's here and what's now. So yeah, look, I'll always come on if you've got something you think I can contribute to. But for for bringing us on, I'd like to say thanks, and uh, let's do it again sometime soon. So uh, yeah, I mean, thanks very much listening to this episode. I think it's 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 been uh, I think actually you know um, um, topic wise probably one of the most discussed um you know topics yes um i mean looking forward to everyone's comments i mean you know maybe comment on how do you think uh, identity should work going forward um put your ideas forward i'm happy to discuss it at the next podcast maybe you know pick up some of those comments and and um uh, and discuss them and um, yeah otherwise uh, please uh you know, subscribe um, on all the platforms that you can imagine, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you can see our radio faces on YouTube as well. So, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't really uh, <laughs> feel yeah. like that. But, <laughs> but definitely but, uh, subscribe, yeah. like, but yes. actually comment, actually engage, because it's, we, exactly, have, yes. we have thoughts. We, we think we might be right. But you know what? We've proven time again. Every now and again, we get it wrong. So I think whichever of the podcasts they do or the webinars either of us on, it's critical that people engage. So uh, let's make yeah. that the goal. I mean, it's made by engagement, and uh, with my made by engagement, I hope uh, you have a you have a great day uh, wherever you are in the world. Um, I hope uh, you are okay. Um, stay healthy, um, and uh, we'll speak to you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ID Podcast, powered by ID Now. If you like today's content, please make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and also on YouTube. So for now, thank you and goodbye.